Have no fear. Rico is here. It's January the 9th, 2011, and this is podcast 313 for Treks in Sci-Fi. Happy New Year, everyone. This is the first time uh, that I, Rico, a host of Treks in Sci-Fi, has had a chance to wish you officially, I guess, a new year. Last week, we had an awesome guest uh, cast with Rick Moyer going over uh, all the various uh, podcasts that I did uh, and that other people helped uh, and guest hosted on and, and everything, all the history of Treks and Sci-Fi for 2010. Uh, it, was, uh, it was great to listen to that, actually. I, I, I have to admit, I, I didn't realize I had covered such a variety of topics. I guess that was my goal last year was to do that. And I think that's my goal this year, too, for the show. I've asked... Uh, Recently on the forum, there was a little topic I put up about New Year's resolutions, and uh, I think I may have mentioned this before, but uh, I don't really do those very much. But goals are, I think, are an okay thing to set, you know, sort of like I'd like to do this and, I'd, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, today on uh, Treks and Sci-Fi, we're going to do a, what I call more of a, a classic TSF show, and we're going to look at a TOS episode uh, this is uh, going to be mainly about uh, the episode Return to Tomorrow, which is from the second season of the original series. This is a, a very cool episode, and, and as it goes on and on for the podcast, it gets to the point where I, I really had thought I had covered this one. I looked back through my list, and I, and I haven't, but this is the one basically where uh, the crew of the Enterprise runs into a planet that hosts or has a the, the consciousness of, of three aliens, Sargon being the leader, and they would like to use, temporarily at least, the, the bodies of Kirk Spock and, and uh, another uh, new sort of character that you don't see before, played by Diana Mulder. Um, and anyway, well, we'll be talking about that episode as we go, but I just want to give you a, that for those that know TOS at least or have seen that episode, that'll trigger what we're going to be talking about. I'm going to cover, uh, you know, latest movies, TV. You know, I'll talk a little bit about and catch you guys up on what I've been up to for the last couple of weeks or so since it's been a while since I did sort of a regular uh, podcast. So anyway, uh, what I wanted to play for the opening theme music here is uh, this is going to be or is the theme music to the new series that's premiering tonight on NBC called The Cape. Uh, it's a superhero drama. I'm really excited by this show. And uh, Bear, Bear McCreary, who did the awesome music for Battlestar Galactica and a lot of other things, uh, Vartok, I know, has talked about him before. Uh, he is doing the music for this, at least the theme music, and I'm guessing probably the music for the show in general, I think. But anyway, here is, uh, it's about a minute or so long, I think, the theme music to the new show called The Cape. It has a sort of a very superhero, uh, kind of a little bit of a Batman-esque sound to it, I thought. And then I'll be back with more Treks in Sci-Fi. Well, I'm back. Uh, I got my um, 
generic green tea. I, I, I bought some just kind of, uh, I guess it's, I don't know, Walmart brand. I don't know where did I buy this, but it's, I usually buy the Arizona green tea. I like that a lot. Uh, and, uh, some time back, I, I bought some stuff that was looks like basically a, a knockoff version of it, and boy, it is not nearly as good as the regular stuff. Something about tea, I don't think you can really duplicate. If you, you know, even go, oh, there's green tea. Let's make some tea, and it just doesn't work the same. So, no more knockoff tea for me. I'm gonna get the real thing. You know, spend a whole extra whatever fifty cents or something like that on this big jug of tea I bought. Anyway, I hope everyone's been doing good. I'm doing pretty well back in Rockford, of course. Drove back here last weekend and have had a week back at the job, and it's going pretty well. Got a lot of a lot of work, a lot of projects going on there. Uh, had a kind of an unfortunate thing. Had a sort of a, a minor little fire actually happened at the place uh, last, I guess it was Thursday, so just three or four days ago. Nothing major. They're still investigating. Nothing, no one got hurt, nothing, no major damage, but any time in a chemical slash paint facility you have something like that happen of course people are uh well they're they're uh, investigating and really looking into it but i i don't think it's a big thing it it's it's very unusual for any kind of a chemical or or paint facility that i've ever known that's never had any kind of an incident it's it's just it's it's not hard for it to to happen and it it all comes down to how good are the people how how good are the safety measures and and the equipment that they have for everything and all that and how they respond to it 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 basically can take something that's a small thing and keep it small or you know a, a small thing can turn into a big thing if they're not very good and i've known places nothing that i've worked at but i've known some places that have been kind of like that there was this one place that i knew that these guys would take uh, rags of like paint solvent and they would hang them over these hot light fixtures. They thought, oh, well, we want these paint solvent rags to dry. So their idea was to hang these things over these hot lights that that hung over the plant. And uh, hey, guess what happened? (laughs) They got too hot and and caught on fire in the place eventually. uh, Well, they had uh, multiple fires that I knew of. And then, then eventually they had one big one that pretty much burn the place down so uh it's it's crazy that was just a a place that i knew of that i I had some dealings with uh years ago so anyway nothing nothing that i worked at of course uh, but uh, most of the places i've worked at have been pretty safety conscious so uh, i don't know why i'm telling you all that but uh i I guess for those listening who work in industry and those kind of areas you know i i always say you know safety first you can never be too careful and it's true and you just have to kind of make a good habit of it and keep your eyes open. You know, if something doesn't look right out there, uh, you know, say something, tell tell somebody about something because uh, those are the times where, you know, it's preventative and things like, you know, things that you notice and things that you see are, are what stop problems from happening. That's the way I always look at it. It's like defensive driving, you know, you're driving along and, and uh, you know, accidents can happen and do happen, but the more you're aware of what's going on around you, I think the better chances you have. So there's Rico's start of the year of 2011 safety tips. <laughs> I don't know why, like I said, I'm going into all that. But So what else has been going on with me since I got back here? Um, 
Not a whole lot. I, I think I've covered uh, most of the movies and things that I've uh, been seeing. I, I know that I, I, I told everyone that I went to see uh, Tron. I talked about that with my son a couple of weeks back on the podcast and enjoyed that. Uh, I think that's a good movie. And if you haven't seen it, you should go check it out. It's still playing in theaters. Don't bother with a 3D. It's 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 worthless, the 3D in this movie. Uh, I am not completely, you know... Uh, completely anti-3D by any means. I just don't think it's... For this movie, it's certainly not worth it, and for many movies, it hasn't really been uh, worth it. My my biggest thing about the whole deal is just that uh, I think a good movie is a good movie, period. Uh, if they want to tack 3D on something, well, you know, it isn't going to turn a stinker into a good movie to me, and it isn't going to turn a, a good movie into anything really that much better, even with 3D on it, at least. That's my... Uh, you know, there's all kinds of talk. We've been having some uh, little, uh, you know, fairly uh, interesting discussions over the months, and, and recently, again, it got up and going on the forum about it, the whole the whole subject matter. You know, and they're talking about, uh, I just read recently that Sports Illustrated, I think it is, is it Sports Illustrated? Their swimsuit issue is going to have 3D, like, glasses that you can get with it and, 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 and look at the images. I mean why? I, I don't understand. My eyes work pretty darn well. I, I don't find it all that more interesting. I, I mean, it's just, it, it's very hard to take it as not looking like, hey, a gimmick, and then they tack on more cost for the thing. You know, the images that you see in a, in, in a printed page or in film, it, it, does it really give you that much more satisfaction to see some more slightly kind of in a way more depth? I mean, they're kind of tricking your eyes really and I don't know. I mean, we're I, I just don't quite get the appeal. I, I they you know, there's all this talk that they're um, it's getting more people into the theaters. And and I'm not really so sure that's the case because you can't really it's very hard for you to 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 test that out, that theory. It's like if, uh, you know, I, I there are, are quite a few movies that came out last year that, you know, that d did well that were not 3D and, and they did well because I think people liked them and there was good word of mouth. Inception was one that I uh, that I always mention and think of. But I guess I, I don't think you can really say that it is making more people go to the movie theaters. I frankly think it's keeping as many people away for a few reasons. One, it costs more. It's getting really ridiculous. If you go to a, especially like if you go to a movie at night and pay 3D or pay for 3D, it's like 15 bucks or something like that. Uh, you know, it's three or four dollars or something like that more for the 3D effect. I mean, it's already expensive, but you tack that on there, and, and now it's getting, you know, your, the, the amount of money, I guess, you're spending for these movies at the theaters is is getting to the point, and I'm, you know, I love going to the movie theater. I'm one of those people that I don't mind the crowds. I don't mind, you know, people shuffling around or even the occasional person talking and all that kind of stuff. I figure you're going to a movie theater with other people. That is going to happen to some level of degree, you know, more or less, although, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll see a movie, you know, maybe a matinee where there aren't as many people there. But the bottom line is I like going to the movies. And I, I think these these costs, you know, they're, they, you know, and what they're doing, I think, may be keeping more people away than the additional people they think they're getting from it, if you understand what I mean. You know, if, if uh, uh, here's a big movie that comes out in 3D and people go, oh, I don't want to pay that extra money or I don't want to sit there with those glasses on or maybe yeah, they can't see it very well, you know, depending on your eyes. I've heard different stories from, you know, my wife has trouble. She can't really see it. I know we, we did see one movie together last year, Alice in Wonderland in 3D. And, you know, she just said, I, I 
didn't see anything in it. And there were really, that was a movie that was retro 3D. You know, it was added on later. And I could see little bits in certain parts of it that were, but not really that much. Uh, it wasn't like the whole thing had this, you know, huge depth of field that you don't get with normal film or whatever. But anyway, the, I, I don't know. I guess it didn't necessarily mean when I first started the podcast today to get off onto this topic. But it's been, uh, we've been talking about it on the forum, so that's probably why. But anyway, I think most people understand my opinion on it and yeah you know everyone can make up your own mind i don't i don't mind if people enjoy it or like to go see it i mean it's i i that's great i mean i just have a hard time believing this is really the 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 end you know just this huge new you know way oh my gosh this is going to revitalize you know movies and television and all different kinds of medium and i i'm not and computers and things i actually think computer and gaming areas have maybe more potential because it's a situation that you can control a little bit better through uh, various monitors around you or, or a headset or whatever, something very – and you've got the power of a computer, the processing power of a computer to generate these images and stuff. So, But we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the content's out there. I mean, they've got 3Ds that they're being sold, and I, I just – I mean, if you're going to buy a new TV, and I mean, if you're going to buy one anyway, you know, why not maybe buy one of those? But there there sure isn't a whole lot out there to take advantage of it yet that I can think of. Uh, you know, there, uh, I don't know of anyone really broadcasting in it. We just got HD going, for goodness sake. There's a lot of people that don't even have HD, either TVs or broadcast yet. So, and they're already going on to the next thing. And it's, I think it's to many people, and this isn't just me, and I talk to a lot of people about this kind of stuff. It, it, it looks to them a lot of times like it's a money-grabbing thing. I mean, most people sort of just got DVD. Actually, DVD was pretty solid for a while in, until we finally got, you know, Blu-ray and, and HD DVD, you know, the high-def versions starting to come out there. At least we had good old DVD for several years before the next new thing kind of came along. So I think they're, uh, well, I know I know they're trying to make money. Everyone's always trying to make money and, and get uh, more coming in, but we'll... Well, we'll see how it all pans out is all I can say. I, I, I have, some, you know, significant doubts about the whole uh, idea of this. And uh, so anyway, that is enough about that subject. Let me take a short break. I'm going to come back and fill people in on a little bit more specific, a couple little Trek stories to pass on, and then we're going to get into the episode later on. So here's a short break, and I will return very soon. It's here. The follow-up release to my Stargazer music project, M.W. Orbit. The short story and musical journey of an artificially intelligent probe launched by NASA to explore the Milky Way galaxy. Greetings. I am M.W. Orbit from the planet Earth. Is there anyone there? CD Baby.
methods of exploration in not only the universe, but in human emotion and discovery from the perspective of a small robot probe named M.W. Orbit. The short story and musical journey. Get your copy today at mw-orbit.com. Alright, for the comic book fans of, uh, also in the, I should say, comic book Trek fans, there's a couple of new things from IDW coming uh, in 2011. First big uh, event that they're doing, which has some pretty nice artwork. I'm seeing some preview pages here over at trekmovie.com. They have a a comic book coming called uh, Star Trek Infestation. This is a, a, yes... The, the combination of zombies and Trek together. <laughs> it's uh, Anyway, the uh, the first issue, let's see, is going to be out in stores. looks like in about a week and a half, January 19th. Uh, and then uh, I think February, about um, three or four months, sorry, three or four weeks, months <laughs> later, we'll get issue two. I think it's just a two-issue book from what I'm reading here. And we also have uh, the last issue. I think it's the last issue. The Star Star Trek Con Ruling in Hell book is out. That is issue four of that series. And there's going to be a trade paperback of all those Star Trek Captain's Log comics that were out by IDW, which those were really good. I I, I highly recommend you pick those up. You know, they did one on Jellicoe and Pike and Kirk. And they're good stuff. Definitely worth checking out those. Uh, comic books and uh, you know they've IDW has really been doing a good job uh, I, I almost wish the, the, the and as far as I know they don't have this at least on their schedule right now I wish they would just do they seem to do these uh, three or four issue five issue ish arcs of books you know on, on a certain subject uh, Trek uh, subject but they don't have like an ongoing series like Star Trek or something like that where I, I wish they would do that, you know, and may, maybe they could do, you know, a, a Star Trek book where, you know, maybe five or six issues of it is devoted to maybe the original series, and then they do another arc in it that that puts you ahead into the TNG time frame, uh, or, you know, whatever, Enterprise maybe for a few issues, and they could skip around. It wouldn't have to be just solely with one crew. You, you could just do different arcs, different storylines, but within an ongoing, you know, comic just called Star Trek, for example, or something like that. I, I wish they would do that. I, I would definitely follow that. I mean, the arcs are, are okay and all, but I, I think it, it kind of detracts a little bit from an ongoing readership in a way, if you guys understand uh, what I'm saying. So 
that's it on the comics. There are also related to Trek. There's a, a new miniatures game uh, coming out from WizKids uh, called Star Trek Expeditions. That's going to be out in June. I think this coming June and. It's basically like, you know, they, they've done other little miniature games. Marvel and DC have had some. Uh, they've, they've had a lot of these over the last several years. Basically, each, each little character is represented in ships. It looks like it's kind of uh, based off of from the cover art I'm looking at here or also, again, on Trek Movie. It's based off of the uh, movie. They're using images uh, from the movie, uh, the J.J. Abrams film, I should say. And the looks of the, the characters and their outfits and the ships that you see in this are very much like uh, what uh, what we got in the movie. So it looks pretty cool, actually. Uh, I mean, I, I think it might be fun to just pick up to get the little miniatures. They've got a nice little miniature Enterprise, for example, which, oh, I wanted to mention again. I don't know who picked up. Uh, I, Lynn got it for me for Christmas, but I got the J.J. Uh, the Abrams version of the Enterprise for um, from the hallmark hallmark ornament of that and it's pretty cool lights up you know stuff like that it's it's very nice and that's that's a nice little uh nice little thing to have and i i like that ship still i think it's a pretty pretty good design i think the engines are still maybe a little stubby for me but other than that it's 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 pretty cool and uh looking forward to seeing the next movie which we have not gotten much news on in in, in weeks and weeks and i'm scouring the internet looking at all the usual sites and, and there isn't much going on so i sorry i don't have anything much more to report on that i'm hoping with the new year and we get a few more weeks into this that uh by you know maybe by the end of january or so we're going to get a little bit more information on what's going on with the script and, and, and get some more definitive dates of when they're going to start filming and all that kind of good stuff. So that should be upcoming on the show. And uh, what else did I want to say? No, nothing too much. Make sure you watch The Cape. Uh, related, get off for, off track for a few minutes, but uh, back to television. Uh, big, big, big Bang Theory was back on with the new episodes. Mo- a lot of the shows still have not kind of come back from the break. Fringe isn't still is still not back. Uh, Smallville is not back for a couple weeks still. I think it starts back up at the end of January for Smallville. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I, one little plug for uh, the show No Ordinary Family. Uh, if you've not seen this superhero family drama that's on uh, ABC's on Tuesday nights, at least in the States, uh, you should check it out. It's a fun show. Uh, not super serious, but it's not just like a comedy or anything by any means. It's a nice hour-long show. I like the cast, and it's steadily getting a nice little plot going. They've done about 10, 11 episodes. I know you can catch up on Hulu, I think, at least for those of us in the States. And I'm sure for people in other areas, there you can find other means of, of getting this show. But it's it's pretty cool. They also ran off. I haven't had a chance to watch them yet. Uh, but they also ran off the final episodes uh, of Caprica. And i got to get caught up and watch those. And uh, that is back um, or is available at least uh, i have hulu plus right now and i know i can watch them on there and what else oh clone wars came back on friday you know what i haven't had a chance to watch the episode yet uh, but i'm going to do it after a podcast today later on this afternoon so i i heard it was probably a, a pretty good one and we're getting back to you know jedi and people fighting and and no more you know 
political baloney. <laughs> you know, that's okay once in a while they have that stuff pop in there, but it just got like, oh my gosh, here's another episode where they're in the Senate and they're arguing about, you know, appropriations of funds to, to build more clones, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I mean, it isn't like I need people blasting each other or lightsaber fighting all the time, but they just had a lot of episodes like that for this year for some reason. And I, I've heard different things, and, and it's been a kind of a weird season for the Clone Wars. But it, it sounds like the next several episodes are going to be just uh, awesome. So I'm really looking forward to it. Lots of previews over at, uh, you can see on YouTube or go to StarWars.com. And lots of cool previews for uh, this whole new storyline they're getting into. So that is really exciting, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, one more short break, and then we're going to get into the episode. Star Trek Return to Tomorrow. What are you, like 12? You're the one wearing long underwear and a cape. Fair enough. So what, we're partners? Together we can take this city back. By the way, where's your cape? Dry cleaners. Okay, episode Return to Tomorrow from TOS, which was first aired back on February the 9th, 1968. The remastered version aired first on July 7th, 2007. This is the 52nd episode of 80 produced for TOS. Uh, this episode is really interesting for a lot of reasons, and, and, and it's it's got some great moments in it, great clips. I'm not giving a, a full commentary in this one. I gathered about, a, yeah, about 10, 11 clips uh, before I, I sat down to podcast for the episode, so I'll intersperse those with my comments, uh, give you a little more background information. This episode uh, was written by a guy, a guy named John Dugan. I think it's his only Trek credit. But he changed his name in the credits to John Kingsbridge. And that's basically because Gene Roddenberry did a, a rewrite on the episode, changed a few little things. But the, the biggest thing that he changed was the ending. Uh, and uh, basically, if you know this episode, and I can kind of, you know, maybe give this away a little ahead of time, but the two of the characters, Sargon and Thalesa, kind of uh, are, are kind of go away off and fade off into oblivion at the end of the episode. Well, well, um, actually, Dugan wanted uh, at first them to uh, just sort of float around in the universe without bodies as consciousness, and Roddenberry decided to have them kind of basically die where they they faded out into oblivion. So he didn't really like that, so he changed the, the his to his pen name on the credits to John Kingsbridge. But I, I don't think that's such a big deal because it's not like they ever run into them again, whether they whether they fade off and die, and you know, or they're floating around out there in the galaxy. I always took that ending as is a little bit, even though they say they're going off to oblivion, that it could have gone either way. That maybe somehow they were able to survive out there. Uh, they don't just say die. They, you know. But we'll get into that more maybe towards the end of the discussion and the clips that I'm playing. Uh, there's a, a, a f several other real interesting things about this episode that, involving these robot bodies they're going to make. Uh, the guy that wrote the episode, John Dugan. He had read an article, the, the story goes, about some sophisticated robots that were being built and constructed, 
and that uh, led them to or led him to believe you know well what if they found these aliens who were just pure energy pure minds out there and needed bodies to inhabit and eventually you know we're going to construct these robot bodies to live in and of course they're much more advanced and 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 have a lot more knowledge so that the ability for them to do this you know isn't is not very far-fetched at all i mean it's 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 even you know when you look at data on, on tng you know just just you know less than 100 years later even humans are able to sort of do it and even better than you know i should say create the sort of android bodies better than what they looks like even um, sargon and his his people were going to do in this episode what they look like they're going to create at first is not all that it doesn't look anything really that great to live in so but i'm kind of probably getting a little bit of ahead of ahead of the game here and ahead of myself the the big guest star in the in this episode is um diana Mulder, who plays dr ann mulhall you know i have a hard time saying that together i mean i don't know i'm trying to read you know some of the background on this episode and i really tried to find out whether that was intentional you know did they give this character's name something that was so close to her real name it's, it's just almost ridiculous i mean you have diana Mulder who is playing dr ann mulhall on this episode i mean come on folks <laughs> And I know they do that, you know, a lot of TV and, and movies will do that occasionally. You know, they may give a character the, their real first name, you know, if their real first name is Bob or Mary or whatever it is, they use that first name in the episode or them, whatever it is. And then they, uh, you know, but they usually don't give them a name that, that is that close to their real name. I just found it kind of interesting. And every time I try to say it, you know, you have... Dr. Anne Mulhall, and you have Diana Mulder playing uh, her. And, of course, Trek fans, of course, know her from the second season of TNG, where she played Dr. Pulaski. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's she's really good in this episode. It was kind of too bad. When they brought in these, you know, occasional, you know, kind of more than just a red shirt, even though she is wearing a red uniform, into, into the original series, and they had these interesting other crew members brought in it would it would have been really nice once in a while if you saw them again occasionally you know for a quick moment or whatever but that's it, it was very 60s television uh, you know bringing a guest star or two and then and then that's it you never see them again and and it makes sense when they're sort of the not aboard the enterprise you know they're not one of the regular crew members aboard the enterprise but there are uh, a lot of times where they'd be a crew member and and you you'll never you know hear from them again and again I understand it's it's all acting, uh, you know, getting the actors back and everything. But it would have been kind of nice to have him just kind of bump into her sometime on another, uh, you know, episode down the road. So, hey, let's get into the main story. Uh, let's start off with a clip. The planet has evidently been dead since then. Sensors detect no life of any kind. All your questions will be answered in time, Captain Kirk. <laughs> Heading frequencies over? No, sir. I am Sargon. It is the energy of my thoughts which has touched your instruments and directed you here. Now, at this closer distance, I can speak to you at last. Who are you, Sargon? Please assume a standard orbit about our planet, Captain. Is that a request or a demand? The choice is yours. I read what is in your mind. Words are unnecessary. The planet is dead. There's no possibility of life there as we understand life. And I am as dead as my planet. Does that frighten you, James Kirk? 
Or if it does, if you let what is left of me perish, then all of you, my children, all of mankind must perish too. Yeah, so there, you know, you get the you get the idea. They run, they're you know heading to this run into this planet, and and they discover that there is this intelligence and life living there that doesn't seem like it would be possible. And uh, named uh, this voice calling out through the void of space to them, Sargon. And uh, the the cool thing about this, and and if you listen closely, I think he can pick it up a few times in the episode. I think he does a pretty good job. But James Doohan, who plays of course Scotty on TOS, is doing the the voice for Sargon in this episode. He has the ability to to do voices. He did a lot of different accents that uh, they eventually went with the Scottish one to to play Scotty. But he has uh, a great voice. Somebody who's able to control the you know the different tones and inflections in his voice that allow him to do different characters and he did this on the animated uh, trek series quite a bit and here you get to hear that in this episode where he's playing sargon and it, it's pretty cool and i do like how they also when they're the these aliens inhabit the bodies of our our crew members kirk uh, uh spock and dr Mulder. oh there i did it already dr mull hall <laughs> But they they echo their voices. They make them sound so you know like uh, very uh, you know just powerful and, and uh, you know they're they're mentally much more advanced than us. And and they do that. Uh, did the same thing with Gary Mitchell in in the Where No Man Has Gone Before episode where he got this you know huge you know power and ability. And of course, what are you going to do when you're all powerful? You're gonna you're gonna have this echoing voice that sounds like you're talking into a microphone, even though there's no microphone around. <laughs> all right, another clip. Jim, why no briefing on this? I'd at least like to know what easy, we're getting easy, into. Bones. As long as you know that there's something down there, you know as much as we do. The rest is only guesses. I don't like it, sir. The transporter coordinates preset by a, an alien of some sort. You could materialize inside solid rock. Inside solid rock? Unlikely. These coordinates correspond with the location of the subterranean chamber. And I have a feeling that they or it could destroy us just standing here if they or it wanted to. They or it? Who are you? Dr. Anne Moho, astrobiology. Well, I was ordered to report here for landing party duty. By whom? Strange, I'm not sure. Well, I'm not a liar, Captain. I did receive an order to report here for duty. I'm sure she did, Captain, just as you received an order to bring me along. Oh, yeah. Let's get back to this solid rock business. Now, just how much rock are we going to go through? Approximately 112.37 miles, Doctor. Miles. Huh. Are you joking? No, we're not. Let's go. Please stand ready. I will operate your controls. Doctor? 
you prefer to stay behind. No. No, if I'd be useful, as long as you're going down, I might as well take a medical look at whatever this is. Yeah, so they, they beam down and uh, make it down there okay, although the, the two security guys uh, that were supposed to go with them, somehow Sargon it doesn't really want them down there, so they get left behind. Don't don't die, you know, the red shirts don't die, but they get left behind aboard the Enterprise. So uh, it's, uh, you know, I like, I like how the fact that that, that Kirk is, is fairly trusting of, of, of Sargon at first and... You know that one of the things TOS always, I think, did a good job of was balancing that. Even though they do run into the occasional bad guy out there or, or whatever, that they're always still willing to to take that extra risk. And there's a great scene in this episode. I have a clip here in a little bit that uh, kind of explores that idea that Kirk uh, gives a uh, this little speech about that in the briefing room. So that'll come up uh, here shortly. Where's Jim Kirk? He is. Unharmed, I have taken his body to demonstrate. Come with us. Back to where you were, Sargon, or whatever you are. And if he refuses, Doctor, what do you propose to do with your phaser? That is still Jim's body. Change places again when you wish. Have no fear. Your captain is quite unharmed, although his mind generates insufficient energy for him to speak from there, as I do. Doctor? Yes, I have the same readings. Are you aware of what's happening to his body? Heart action double, temperature 104 degrees. He'll die if you don't leave his body soon. What is it you want of us? In the next room, there are other receptacles. The other two of us that survived. You, Dr. Anmal Hull, and you, Mr. Spock. We require your bodies also. We must have Captain Kirk. And you. So that we may live again. So yeah, that clip, uh, you get to learn that um, Sargon is, you know, has this ability. They they want to um, go into these bodies, and he can he takes over Kirk at first, kind of surprises them, and he is uh, inside of him and controlling his body. Where Kirk is back in these little 
these little glow globe things that they've got on these little pedestals inside or in, on this pedestal down in this area on the planet. And, you know, I think um, Shatner does a cool job there in this episode and in this scene, especially where he's, he's you know, talking about how great it is to be, like, alive again and how his body feels and and, and the blood pumping and all that stuff. Uh, uh, Shatner, he, he plays that real well, and, and you know, it, I think it really works for his particular style of acting and his talents. Uh, he comes off really good in this episode. I, I like what he does with it. Uh, the next clip will explain a little bit more about um, what exactly they're after here. It sounds at first like it's sort of like aliens, you know, invasion of the body snatchers in a way. But there's a little more, uh, a little more to it than that. And Spock and, and and Sargon talk about that in this next scene. When the struggle came, which devastated your planet, only the best minds were chosen to survive. Thalesa, my wife, as you may have guessed, had not. From the other side, realizing our mistake, we attempted to perpetuate both sides. We built this chamber here in order to preserve our essence in this fashion. Fascinating. We knew the seed that we had planted on other planets would take root. One day you would build vessels as we did, and one day you would come here. These others, they were stored differently than you. But it was your task to remain in the receptacle out there. And search the heavens with my mind. Probing, waiting, probing. And then one day, my mind touched your vessel. And brought you here. So you could steal our bodies from us? To steal. To take them from you. No, no, my children, you misunderstand. We mean only that you should lend us your bodies for a short time. And destroy them. Just as you're burning that one up now. Heartbeat 262, Spock. Entire metabolic rate correspondingly high. I will return your captain to you before the body limit has been reached. Our bodies, Sargon. For what purpose? To build. To build humanoid robots. We must borrow your bodies long enough to have the use of your hands, your fingers. Then you intend to construct mechanical bodies, move your minds into them, and then return our bodies to us. We have engineers, technicians. Why can't they build your robots for you? No, our methods, our skills are far beyond your abilities. So we learned that they're, the plan is that Sargon and, and Henak and Thalesa, the three of them will inhabit Kirk Spock and Dr. Mulhall. Yes, Mulhall. <laughs> Mulhall. Anyway, that they will do that in order to spend some time and able to use their hands and their bodies to construct these android, these robot bodies for their use and eventually that their consciousness will be transferred into those bodies and that this this little temporary thing of inhabiting Kirk, Spock and Mulhall are, uh, is just that temporary, of course. Uh, things don't quite, you know, maybe work out that way in the end. And um, But that's their plan here, at least Sargon's plan to begin with. And uh, uh, a couple things that I, I'm not sure that were captured in the clips yet very well, you know, depending on always what I, I grab off the episode. Um, the the two others, Sargon is the leader of these people, basically. he's He's survived. He's out in this sort of 
initial room when they first beam down. Hennock is uh, the, he was actually a higher, uh, one of the leaders, but he was sort of the, 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 on the bad guy side. He was, he was not, uh, well, there was a, an ultimate sort of battle of the minds in a way that would have gone on way in the past that, that got them to this point, wiped out their planet pretty well. Um, but the uh, Hennock is is not, let's just say he, he's not exactly on Sargon's team. And then Thalesa is is basically Sargon's, you know, woman, wife, lover, whatever you want to call it. And that is who she is and, you know, will... Uh, that then you learn more that those names are, are are names that are 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 pretty you know have some history out there too if you look in in literature and things uh in in different myths and that uh Thalesa, i had it written down here and i'm trying to find my um find my note sheet on that uh give me a second da, 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 da. okay yeah yeah there's a couple things uh the the planet uh, that they're from. Let's see. Did it, they, in Greek mythology, Thalesa was a sea goddess, uh, and some uh, Assyrian and Mesopotamian kings were named Sargon. Also in the Bible, the name Hanok appears several times. Sometimes uh, it's spelled Enoch or Hanok with an H A N instead of an H. It's H E N O C H in this episode. Uh, also, he plays the father, or in the in the Bible at least, listed as the father of Methuselah. So, you know, they were using some you know mythological and and, and biblical names here in this episode, which I I always like that because the idea that uh, that this race of, of Sargon and his people were explorers at one time out there, you know, maybe seeding the galaxy, and that maybe a couple of them ended up on Earth, and it's kind of cool that they throw those things out there. Uh, in these episodes, and they, you know, they did that in TNG a bit too, especially in the later seasons. So, I enjoy that. The um, next clip, I think, is the next clip. Yeah, the next clip to me, uh, I, I love this clip. I, I even kind of acted it out way back on a vidcast that we uh, that we put together when we were talking about our favorite uh, Trek moments. You remember that vidcast from like a couple of years ago? Oh, that was a lot of fun. We need to do that again sometime, people. Uh, I, I think we could get some new entries, and, and maybe we'll revisit that one. I like that a lot. Everyone sends in a little video clip of them uh, sort of acting out maybe uh, their uh, particular favorite episode. I, I, I really enjoyed that one. Anyway, diverging, but this particular scene to me is a very essential to track. It's one of my favorite scenes uh, in the original series. It just always comes to mind uh, when I think about Trek and what it's all about. And it, it's basically in the briefing room, they're all sitting around the, the main core group and, and Dr. Mulhall, Scotty's there, and they're all trying to decide whether they're going to do this, you know, whether they're going to go along with Sargon, let them control and take over their bodies for this period of time to build these robot androids for them to live in. And, and and Dr. McCoy, of course, being always kind of the, the you know the curmudgeonly old skeptic, you know he he wants to know why 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 are they doing this, you know there's no you know it, it, it's like above everything else or whatever for for what's the point or whatever, and and Kirk has a great answer to that and and I, and I love this scene so anyway here is the clip uh, from uh, that episode regarding what I've just said. We'll all be deeply involved. It must be unanimous. Then I'll still want one question answered to my satisfaction. Why? Not a list of possible miracles, but a simple, basic, understandable why. 
that overrides all danger. And let's not kid ourselves that there is no potential danger in this. They used to say if a man could fly, he'd have wings. But he did fly. He discovered he had to. Do you wish that the first Apollo mission hadn't reached the moon, or that we hadn't gone on to Mars and then to the nearest star? That's like saying you wish that you still operated with scalpels and sewed your patients up with catgut, like your great-great-great-great-grandfather used to. I'm in command. I could order this. But I'm not. Because Dr. McCoy is right in pointing out the enormous danger potential in any contact with life and intelligence as fantastically advanced as this. But I must point out that the possibilities, the potential for knowledge and advancement is equally great. Risk is our business. That's what the starship is all about. That's why we're aboard her. You may descend without prejudice. Do I hear a negative vote? Yeah, that's just, it's just awesome. And once he gets, of course, through with that, you know, is anyone not want to do this? Of course, they all are going to do it. You know, Spock, of course, because he's very curious. And this is a very interesting scientific, um, you know, experiment. To, to, and, and, you know, he'll always go along with it, especially if Kirk's in favor of it. And and, uh, and Dr. Mulhall is, is pretty, you know, she's willing to try it too. So I, it, it, it makes sense. And again, uh, one of my favorite scenes there of Trek um, pretty much ever. So uh, let's see, where are we at now? Next uh, clip. So of course, we, what we learn pretty quickly is is, is Hunnick, when, when he shows up and he's in Spock's body, being a Vulcan, his body can handle this increased metabolism a little bit more. So he is able to, uh, Sargon says, you know, asks him to create this uh, uh, injection formula for them to allow their bodies to, to handle this uh, their consciousness inside the these human bodies, uh, so that. Uh, but we learn very quickly that uh, Henek is not really on Sargon's side. He is working with Doctor Chapel, or not Doctor Chapel at this point. Sorry, Nurse Chapel, and he's creating these injections. And the one he's giving Sargon isn't quite the same and won't really save him or help him. And he uses a little bit of his mind power on Doctor. That I did it again. Gosh darn it. <laughs> Excuse me. He uses uh, some mind whammy on uh, Nurse Chapel so she won't realize that uh, the injections for Sargon are not the same as for the others. This formula will reduce the heart action and the bodily functions to normal. While the bodies are occupied, you will administer one injection of 10 cc's each hour. I understand. 
This hypo, you will code mark for Thalesa. This one, you will code mark for me. Yes, sir. This one, you will administer to Captain Kirk when a Sargon is in his body. This hypo does not contain the same formula. No, that's correct. But since I will arrange for you to administer each of the injections, then no one else will notice. Without the same formula, Captain Kirk will die. What were you saying? I... I, I was... I wanted to say something. I've forgotten what it was. Yes. Well, you were about to say that you watched me prepare the formula and fill each of the hypos. Yes. That, that was it. I will inform Dr. McCoy that each is properly filled for each patient. Very good. You see, Sargon would not permit me to keep this body. It is therefore necessary for you to kill your captain so that Sargon will die with him. Yeah, so uh, so Henek's up to no good. Uh, he uh, is not really planning on ever going into these android bodies that they're working on and creating. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, he feels that he deserves better than that, and you know wants to stay in Spock's body. And uh, you know that you know it makes sense. I mean, these guys are so powerful and and, and so superior that they would look at uh, us as, as as you know little ants or, or flies or whatever. So, uh, and that, uh, that power is what eventually, you know, had done them in anyway. So the next scene here, I think, is when um, Henoch and Thales are working together with Scotty on, on the bodies. <laughs> A thousand-year prison, Thalesa. And when it wears out, we'll build another one. And we'll lock ourselves into it for another thousand years. And then another, and another... Sargon has closed his mind to a better way with these bodies. They're not ours, Hannah. And you awoke in this body, Thalesa. You see how good it was to breathe again, to have eyes, and to see again, to feel. To live and feel again, Felicia. Just think how much we can do for mankind. Are these bodies too much to ask for in return? Would you prefer this? No. I'm beginning to hate it. Yeah, so Thalesa is not really too pleased, uh, and maybe that's a little bit of a female influence coming out, but she's not too pleased by living in these bodies. And I've got another um, kind of a follow-up clip to that last one where um, it's Henek and her examining this um, this android-looking body laying down, and Henek's using a little scanner, makes its hand move up, and tells her that, uh, you know, the body's ready for you. And, um, well, let me play that clip for you, and then I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about the, uh, 
the little android body that you see in this scene. Medical log, stardate 4770.3. Do I list one death or two? When Kirk's body died, Sargon was too far distant from his receptacle to transfer back. Sargon is dead, but is Captain Kirk dead? His body is, but his consciousness is still in the receptacle into which it was transferred earlier. All his vital organs are now working, Doctor. Yes, we can keep them going for a few weeks or a month. For all the good it'll do. I pretend to work on that thing, Hanok. You know, you never intended to leave Spock's body. This is your new home, Felisa. Once occupied, I'll add female features and some texturing. You no doubt want the mechanism to at least appear to be a woman. It is ready, Felicia. No. You have no excuse to keep the real body any longer. Sargon would have required that you enter the mechanism immediately. I cannot live in that thing. Okay, that, uh, you see this sort of body in that scene, this sort of plasticky looking almost looks like a mannequin laying on the table kind of shiny that uh surprisingly is not just a you know a mannequin covered up that's an actual actor uh probably william blackburn who did a lot of billy blackburn who did a lot of the some of the extra roles on trek and there's some on the blu-ray trek sets he has a lot of what he called his home movies from the from the different sets and scenes that uh that when Trek was filming, especially on location, and uh, that is him in, probably him, not necessarily him, it could have been another extra, but that's what's guessed, at least right now, it's Bill Blackburn, but he's covered up in this plasticky latex makeup for that scene, which I think they, they did a great job with it, I, I thought that they had just maybe just used a mannequin, really, but it's not that, it's, it's an actual person covered in latex, and I think I had realized that, because there are there are also, if you ever watch the blooper reels from the original series, there are quite a few uh, blooper uh, clips from this episode. This episode, for some reason, ended up with quite a bit. And uh, there's, a, there's a scene in, um, in the blooper reel, the original series blooper reel, where there's a guy that's talking to another guy that's kind of pulling all this gooey makeup off his face. And he's like, he tells the guy, hey, you know, listen, kid, you wanted show business? Well, God darn it, you you got it. Gosh darn it. Well, he says something a little bit more than that. But this is, you know, a, a family-friendly podcast. But anyway, so you'll you'll see him helping pull, pull this makeup, and they're kind of laughing. Well, that scene is is based on or from this episode where the guy w who was all made up and and also the a little bit more on that is is it, that scene took a lot longer to do than you might think many hours and he couldn't really eat or drink or do anything like that while while he was in all that makeup so it was uh yeah, you know, these guys really work hard in show business, don't they? <laughs> so anyway, and then there are uh, uh, several other bloopers. One of the one of the great great ones I thought was you'll see one with William Shatner coming up to the little glow globe uh, with Sargon when they first meet him, and 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 he says something like, "Have no fear, Sargon is here," 
it's just uh, good stuff. And watch for those. You can see those bloopers up on the on the. Uh, well, you can go over to uh, you can go over to YouTube, of course. That that's the, you know, or go to my site, geekplay.tv. I think I have the Star Trek bloopers up there, geekplay.tv, and check it out. Sargon was right. Temptations within a living body are too great. Forgive me. I am pleased, my beloved. It is good you have found the truth yourself. Saga. Where are you? I thought you destroyed by Hena. I have power even Hena does not suspect, beloved. Yes, I see. I, I understand. Just as we would have placed our consciousness within robots, Sargon has placed his into your vessel. Doctor. Doctor, leave us. Sargon has a plan. We have much work to do. Yeah, so that that scene there that moves ahead a little bit in the episode, Sargon w- appears to have died. You know, he's um, he's in Kirk's body. He's not getting the right injection from Henoch, uh because he sort of sabotaged that whole thing, and he, he appears to have died. So that Kirk, uh, his his consciousness is still stuck in the little glow globes, and uh, the you know they don't know what to do they keep kirk's body going through you know you know through mechanical means his heart and you know pumping and blood and oxygen and all that stuff but uh they have no way to return kirk's consciousness back to his body and the they realize though that they find out that sargon is still around he he moves his consciousness into the actual into the enterprise to to survive into you know the machine of the enterprise just like they needed or were trying to create machine bodies to live in, which is a kind of a neat little twist, kind of a little, you know, like, mm, you know, if they could just do that, you know, may, maybe, you know, why did they need this sophistication of these Android bodies? You know, the enterprise is built by, you know, people, humans, whatever, the Federation, Starfleet. Um, but yeah, it, it, it kind of works. It, it keeps, you know, in suspense and you wonder what's happened and then Sargon's still around. So that, that was pretty cool. They uh, they then have to deal with Henoch, who's still in Spock's body, and there's a kind of a cool little twist in in this uh, the way they handle this. But anyway, let me play this clip for you, and then I'll come back and and talk about it. Spock's consciousness was in one of them. It was necessary. What are you talking about? There is no Spock to return to his body. You've killed a loyal officer, your best friend. Bones prepare a hypo, the fastest, deadliest poison to Vulcans. Spock's consciousness is gone. We must kill his body. The thing in it. Must I make an example of you too, Hal? And you, my dear. What do 
inject him with it. Could not allow your sacrifice of one so close to you. Jim. You're alive. There was enough poison in that hypo to kill ten Balkans. No, Doctor. I allowed you to believe that to be true so that Henoch would read your thoughts and believe it also. Sargon. It seems, Doctor, the injection was only enough to cause unconsciousness. But Henoch believed and fled the body. He is destroyed. But your vessel was destroyed, too. Where was your consciousness kept? The place Henoch would least suspect, Captain. That is why I was summoned into sick bay, Doctor. Mr. Spock's consciousness was placed in me. We shared consciousness together. We now know we cannot permit ourselves to exist in your world, my children. Thalesa and I must now also depart into oblivion. Yeah, it was kind of a longer clip, but it, I think it was important to put all that together. Uh, really what happens is that they use Nurse Chapel. She, uh, they take Spock, put Spock's consciousness in her and since Henoch thinks he sort of has control of her, he doesn't suspect anything, and she is able to trick Henoch and fool him, she injects him, he's stopped all the rest of them. Everyone else thinks Spock is gone, and except for really Thalesa, who's probably able to uh, control her mind, uh, and her, you know, she's, she's actually, well, Thalesa is off with Sargon at that point. But then Hennick thinks he's being poisoned, he's being killed, so he has to take off Flea's, uh, Spock's body. And since he doesn't really, can't think of what to do or where else to go, he doesn't have another vessel to go into, he, he, he's dead, basically. And then the rest of them uh, just sort of realize that they still have, you know, Sargon and Thalesa stuck in the Enterprise. And they ask for sort of one final moment together before they'll go off into oblivion, you know, into death, and uh, they they want uh, Kirk and Mulhall's body one last time for a kiss, which I'm sure William Shatner had no problem with this because, uh, you know, Diana Mulder back in this episode, she's 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 all right. So, <laughs> and there there's uh, the way they do this is pretty funny. Of course, they're 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 kissing, and then the minute you know they're kind of still kissing. Sargon and Thalesa leave the bodies, and oh, guess what? Kirk and now Mulhall are kissing. So anyway, listen to the last clip from this episode. 
and together does not frighten me a lot. Promise we'll be together. I promise, beloved. Together forever. Forever. Beloved. sure that uh, Sargon appreciated your cooperation, Dr. Mohan. Yes, I was uh, happy to cooperate, Captain. It was beautiful. Yeah, good stuff. So, so that's mainly it. Return to tomorrow. I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a very cool episode. You know, you've got this idea of of these super aliens out there, just in energy form, kind of like the Organians and and other you know races that the original series and even eventually like the Q to some degree on TNG and all that. Very very advanced. Uh, beings that are still out there and that the enterprise runs into but they still need our help kind of and you got the little twists and turns in this episode and they use nurse chapel here quite a bit which i like and you know her and spock share consciousness for a moment there near the end of the episode to trick hennock uh it's got a lot of a lot of great moments one one of the couple other little things um, Diana Mulder re- returns, actually, even though I went into that whole talk about it would be nice to see these characters again. Well, you don't see her as Dr. Anne Mulhall. You see her in the very next season of TOS. She plays in, um, she plays Miranda Jones in Is There in Truth No Beauty, you know, that episode from the third season of TOS, which I have not covered that one yet, I don't think. Uh, but she's, so she's, she's playing the actresses back, playing a completely different character, which... I guess they liked her, you know. I think Gene Roddenberry and I think Trek in general liked um, Diana Mulder because, of course, she eventually replaced Crusher for a season as Dr. Pulaski on TNG. So good actress, a lot of fun, and does a great job in this episode. So um, I guess that's about all I wanted to say. I'm going to take a break. um, And actually, well, we've got some clips to play for you. Not my uh, clips from the episode, but we've got guys who have sent in clips to us from uh, their thoughts and about their thoughts on this episode. And we also have a new song. And I think what I'm going to do is I will play, well, I'll play the first clip. Uh, this is Brian. And uh, Brian, of course, is the other, my big TOS buddy in arms on, on the forum. And he's got some thoughts about a return to tomorrow. So take it away, Brian. Rico, my TOS-loving brother from another mother. It's Brian. How are you, my man? Just wanted to send in some comments for this week's show. Uh, I know you're covering Return to Tomorrow, a second season TOS episode, and when it's TOS time, you know I'm always good to go. This was what definitely one of those episodes that appeared a lot in syndication when I was growing up, so I, I feel like I've seen it a lot, even though I, I didn't even go and watch it in the, uh, in the pop-up window on the website, on the forum to, to sort of familiarize myself with it, because I am pretty familiar with it. 
Um, I'm sure you'll cover all of the details of, of what happens in the episode. It has, um, you know, it's a, it's a great story. Uh, it's a really self-contained story. Once they, once they pick up Sargon and, and his people and the, the spheres and they come up to the Enterprise, it's all, all, the rest of the story takes place on the Enterprise. And it does have a kind of a neat construct, this idea that uh, Sargon and his people potentially were the, the original um, uh, species which founded all life in our galaxy, including on Earth and on Vulcan. And they even make, a, interesting enough, they even make a, an Adam and Eve reference, saying that the, they may have been the original Adam and Eve. Um, and again, one of, one of those times where uh, a sort of a biblical reference comes up in Star Trek, which I think is interesting. One of the funny things about this episode that always, always didn't confuse me as a kid, but I always laughed at was the name Sargon. For some reason, it reminded me of Calgon. The I guess it was was it wasn't like a a soap commercial. Calgon, take me away. Do you remember that back in the seventies? Whenever I hear the name Sargon, I always think of Calgon. And then I also think about the Star Trek blooper reel where Shatner is always running around saying, "Have no fear, Sargon's here." That always I always remember that. But I think this episode is, is definitely worthy of taking a look at. It has uh, some great moments. It has uh, another opportunity for Leonard Nimoy to really let loose and show some of his acting chops um, while wearing the Spock makeup and ears. It's always great to see him emote and, uh, and, and show a lot of emotion. And uh, this, when, when, when the character of Henoch uh, takes over his body and he's here he is professing his love um, for Thalesa and plotting against Sargon to take over the ship and to keep, keep the bodies that they have rather than be put into the artificial ones. Uh, you know, you can just tell that Leonard Nimoy, whenever given the opportunity to, to do a role, and uh, to do a part like this um, while still in the Star Trek universe, he really enjoyed it. Another part of note of this episode is it is the first appearance of uh, Diana Mulder, who would go on to become... Uh, well, to be in another TOS episode, um, Is There In Truth No Beauty? I think that was the only other one she was in. And then uh, went on to be uh, Star Trek The Next Generation's second season Doctor. Uh, and I always liked her. I, I, I think she's awesome. Um, I actually like her a lot more than uh, Beverly Crusher. Ooh, sorry, guys, but I do. I thought she was terrific. She, had, she definitely had a McCoy-esque uh, quality to her. Um, and this is the first time where she appears in Star Trek, so I think it's pretty cool. Not to mention the fact that she was quite the tomato back in the day. Anyway, so that's pretty much all I wanted to say about it. I'm, again, I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with. Um, in my geeky world, uh, over Christmas, I was given a uh, Kotobukaya clone trooper uh, statue, which is awesome. It is very, very cool. It's the first Kotobukaya I've gotten, so I've uh, grown my collectible uh, closet a little bit with that. And uh, I've had that song, uh, Geek and Gamer Girls, on my iPod for the past three weeks. I listen to it when I'm running, and I can tell you, the song is awesome, but it's so geeky, there are references that even I don't understand. So I'm going to have to, find, I'm gonna have to put up posts on the forums to, to ask questions about what, what, what they're talking about sometimes, because some of it just goes right beyond me. But then I just watch the video, and everything is fine. Anyway, my man, I uh, look forward to hearing the show as always, and uh, I'll see you around the forum, and uh, live long and prosper, my brother. Take care. Bye. Well, thanks, Brian. Thanks for your comments. Always great to hear from you, and I know I can count on you for a TOS uh, comment uh, when I do an episode for that. And love to hear from uh, you know you all other times too. You know, get Jamie on again too. <laughs> oh, and that uh, Kotobukiya uh, uh, Stormtrooper statue was it Stormtrooper or, or Clone Trooper? I forget what you said. 
uh, and I just listened to it too. <laughs> but whatever, I'll have to look at that and check it out. I, you know, I'm really, really dying to buy some collectibles here soon. I've really been not doing it very much lately with this whole living in two places and two lives and all that junk. Uh, I have not gotten a lot. Um, I did get a Kindle. I think I talked about that over the, the Christmas uh, podcast that I did with my son, uh, you know, as a gadget type of thing. And I'm really eyeing the iPad too, but uh, that uh, may be coming out in a couple of months. Anyway, the back to your comments. Yeah, you made a lot of uh, things things that uh, I liked about the episode and comments about uh, Diana Mulder and, and, and things that, uh, yeah, she, you're right. She's, she's, she was quite a tomato. <laughs> oh, why don't we just say it? She's hot. She was hot back then. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely babe, babe of the day material, and uh, maybe we'll have to, I don't know if I've used, uh, put her up in that, uh, my babe of the day thing yet or not, but, because uh, I put up older actresses too, you know, w- you know, put up pictures of them back in the day, but uh, um, now I'm really sidetracked, boy, look at my mind, it just goes, and you know, but, <laughs> so now would be probably a good time to slide off into playing our friend Rick Moyer's commentary on this episode along with a new song and I'm going to play that and rather than taking taking us out with the show I'm going to come back real briefly and just kind of wrap things up after Rick's comments and song so take it away Mr. Moyer Hey Rico this is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen Washington the host of Take Him With You and uh, Moyer777 on the forums I just love Treks and Sci-Fi. You know I do. And I really love it when you review the original series. Kirk, Spock, McCoy, though they are just the coolest. And, you know, they started it all for us. And look at all the great Star Trek that came out of it. So you are reviewing the great episode, Return to Tomorrow. What do I like about this show? So many things. It was so science fiction-y and cool. And I know that's not a word. fiction is but you know what I mean I just liked all the cool stuff it, it's all the stuff I did as a kid you know I wanted to I wanted to uh, be able to transfer minds and build robot bodies and you know all that cool stuff that you grow up dreaming of doing as a geek and this was no exception it was just a, a, a great funny episode because some of the acting was really cheesy but you know I don't know it just worked with William Shatner doing all his stuff with Sargon, you know, switching bodies with Kirk and everything and all the stuff going on. And then, of course, it was always awesome to see Spock, who smiled in this episode and laughed and had emotions and everything because um, Hanok, or however you say his name, was um, in his body. So that was quite a, quite a treat for all of us Star Trek fans to see that with Spock. So anyway, I went ahead and did a parody song because I just couldn't resist. I used to really enjoy Billy Squire. Uh, growing up and uh, he had that one song everybody wants you so i did switching minds with sargon and here it is just for you and the listening audience of treks and sci-fi thanks for everything you do rico see you next week the reading's growing stronger captain coming from the star system directly ahead not a signal, sir. It does not seem to even exist, and yet it's affecting all my channels.
ultimate crisis, which you have yet to face. I don't understand. One day our minds became so powerful, we dared think of ourselves as gods. You just continue to just amaze and outdo yourself every time. Thanks so much for your comments. That great new song, love it. Love that tune to begin with, and uh, and and switching minds with Sargon uh, is a great riff on it, and 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 just adds to your you know increasing great catalog of stuff you've done for us. Uh, so so grateful. Make sure you check out Rick's podcast. Take him with you, and you can find the parody songs over it christrocks.com forward slash parody i believe is what it still is so thanks again rick and, and brian too oh brian i i, I was going to comment i forgot to say yeah you're uh, the geek and gamer girls song yeah it's an awesome song awesome video uh and uh the references the probably some of the ones you might be not getting in that song are, are maybe some gaming things that because i know you're not as much of a gamer as as maybe some of the it, it, things that they throw in that song but uh yeah we should we should sort of I think Kenny posted the lyrics on the forum, so we should we should go through those sometime and uh, and analyze you know all the different references and what they mean because that's an awesome song. But uh, anyway, guys, thanks so much for your comments. Always welcome and any comments people have about you know books that they've read or, or movies they've seen, TV shows. You know, send me your thoughts on the Cape uh, after that premieres. You know, it's going to be actually on Sunday night uh, for a premiere tonight. But it's on Mondays, I think, normally on NBC. It's taking the place of the event for, I don't know, several weeks at least. I'm not sure how long they're going to keep it on this mid-season thing. And, but I hope it does well, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, just giving you a little preview of what's coming up on Treks and Sci-Fi in the next couple of weeks. Next weekend, I am going to do a special episode. This one is uh, The Year That Was, 1983, where I'm going to look at... Uh, movies and television from 1983 what what uh, us geeks loved back then or or if you weren't around you know to see it live back then uh what you've enjoyed over the years so if you've got some comments about something from 1983 uh that you enjoy uh and uh, one of the big ones for that year is is return of the jedi the the movie the last of the original trilogy uh, and other things but um send me a comment over at trek sf at gmail.com also, make sure you check out the forum. Uh, donation links are on the main website, treksandsci-fi.com. Uh, also on the forum, there's links there. Uh, all that stuff is great for you guys to uh, 
venture off and learn more about uh, the podcast and all of our geeky members on the forum. So, And after the next week's podcast, about 1983, the week after that is going to be the TNG episode, A Fistful of Data. So comments are always welcome for all those. You can send them in any time in the next couple of weeks or just as long as I get them before Sunday when I record the show on Sunday mornings for each of the podcasts. So everyone, I uh, hope you again have been enjoying night. Uh, what did I say? <laughs> uh, are you enjoying your year 1983? That's what I was trying to say. Are you enjoying 2011 so far? Is it all that you want it to be? I hope so. <laughs> oh, so much to do in so little time. I want to get back and draw. I want to build models. I found this cool new Trek model site. Uh, check it out on the forums. We've been talking about it over there. And uh, it's not new. It's just something. I, and I think I've seen it before, too. Uh, let me get to the link for those just listening to the podcast. All right, let's see here. It is, yeah, www.starfleet-models.com. And there are, they have several models besides Trek. They've got some Star Wars stuff too, but if you click the Star Trek link, of course, you get the Star Trek ones. And these are, a lot of these are what's called resin kits, which are models of things that you can't get in, you know, anywhere else or stores or anything. They're kind of privately done in small, small numbers, small quantities, but you can get a lot of cool starships and, and alien ships, Klingon ships that have only been seen in like blueprints and, and, and stuff like that. So some cool things there. Anyway, I'm getting out of here. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the the first sort of yeah, regular, we'll call it, uh, uh, Treks in Sci-Fi of the year. I've got some uh, other new ideas to uh, hopefully be doing in 2011. And uh, always welcome for new ideas uh, for the show, too. TrekSF at gmail.com. Please shoot me an email. Let me know what you think. And uh, that's about it, I think. <laughs> oh, if you do join the forum, one last thing. If you do join the forum, make sure that you check your email because uh, all forum uh, requests need to be approved. And I usually get them done pretty quickly after, as they come in, at least during the day. I, I, I check it a few times. But uh, you will get a, one of those emails back in your email that you use when you sign up that says you have to click the little thing to confirm your, you know. So I know that you're a real person and not one of these spam bots that seem to be out on the web these days who want to sell us insurance or other things and and and, and slam, you know, spam up on the forums cuz we're not going to we're not going to put up with that. No, no, no siree. All right everyone, take care. Enjoy uh your your cold winter months if you're in the cold and wherever you're at. Uh, I hope this has helped you get through your week a little bit more. So, this is Rico signing off. Bye. You've been listening to TrexInSciFi. For more information, visit TrexInSciFi.com. Write to Rico today at TrekSF at gmail.com. That's TrekSF at gmail.com. Set a course for Earth. Maximum wall. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I'm Captain Kirk. Treks in sci-fi. At ease before you sprain something. Your weekly dose of kinky goodness and entertainment news. This mission would have failed without your help. I won't be speaking. The only podcast where no one has podcasted before. Captain Audacious yet. Not with, we're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that world. Thanks for joining us, or 
Trek in Cyber. Trek in Cyber.